This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Well, the Cowboys have left no doubt at all. They belong among the NFL elite, and tonight we'll break down their win over the Philadelphia Eagles. Temporarily, we're talking about the NFC East division leaders. Let's go. What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, here on Primetime, do me a favor and hit the like button for me. And welcome into the show. Uh, Monday night, beautiful night to talk some Cowboys football because Dallas right now sits at number two within the NFC and as the division leaders of the NFC East. Now that might change. The Eagles control their own destiny. If they win out, they're the champions. The Cowboys have a tough slate of games ahead. Yes, but for now, they are the NFC East leaders. And I think we should enjoy it. For now, even if it's temporary, we'll see, you know, games need to be played. The Eagles could still lose. The Cowboys could win out. You never know. The big thing that happened on on the weekend is that the Cowboys got to Sunday with one message from the critics, from the doubters. And they've heard this all season long, especially since the bye week. Sure, you've got a pretty offense there. Right, if you Dak Prescott looks like he's on an MVP run, you're scoring over 40 points per game. Good for you. However, who have you bitten? That was the question. That was the criticism. That was the the one doubt that people could still point towards the Cowboys. And it might be a little bit unfair because it's not like they control who they play. And maybe we make too much out of like. Three games, especially two that happened before the bye week, before the changes, and then one that was super close in Philly. And it also conveniently ignores the fact that he had the highest scoring differential in the NFL. So it's not like you're facing weak opponents and struggling against them. However, right now, the Cowboys silenced that critic, that criticism, at least for now. You know that Cowboys you know, haters and pundits in the media, they're going to find a way to make it work to fit their narrative. That is going to happen sooner rather than later, right? But still, the Cowboys got into that game and it wasn't close. It wasn't close against the Philadelphia Eagles, man. Four opening drives for the Cowboys, three touchdowns and a field goal. The Eagles scored 13 points, six of which where because of their offense, the other seven were because of a very costly fumble by Dak Prescott. 
there's no sugar coating that, you know, that was a very costly play and one that you don't like to see even with the old MVP run that he is in. But here's the best part. Out of those six points that were scored on offense by the Eagles, which is a very mediocre amount, heck, I don't think they reach mediocre, uh, they needed a fake punt to get three of those six points. It was not pretty for Philly. And it was honestly a 20-point win that felt like a 20-point win against the, at the moment of the game, the number one seed in the NFC. Now they're number five because right now in the standings, they would be the wildcard team. If the season ended today, it doesn't. So it's a little bit misleading because the Eagles do control their destiny. If they win out, it's the Eagles division, which is why I have made a lot of emphasis here on the show, even since last week, and I'm doing it now today. Uh, but the Cowboys keep doing what they do. They close it. They are closing games. They have done it against inferior competition, record-wise at least. You know, they did it against the Rams, and everyone was excited, but everyone understood, hey, you know what? That's the Rams, and they're struggling. They're a losing team. But they did go to overtime against the Baltimore Ravens, by the way, this same weekend, right? They did it against the Panthers, and everyone was like, man, who cares? It's the Panthers, and maybe they had a point. They did it against the Giants, something similar, although the Giants have had some moments here and there lately. Nothing to be scared about, of course. But the Cowboys are blowing out opponent after opponent, and now they get the Eagles at home, and they do it to the Eagles. And maybe they win this game even without a plus two in the turnover margin department, but three forced fumbles by three different players definitely helped. Donovan Wilson got in in the action. Same for Stephon Gilmore, right? It was just, uh, of course, Marquise Bell had another forced fumble. Those were the three turnovers by Philly. Game, game, uh, you know, changing performance for the defense, and that allowed for the Cowboys to really just go all in. And not to mention a remarkable performance from Brandon Aubrey, 60-yard field goal, 59 field goal, 45-yard field goal, and then another 50-yarder. Just amazing football, elite football by the Cowboys. And that's just my opening thoughts, man. I'm just excited to talk to you guys about this game. So let me say hi in the chat very quickly. Uh, shout out to Justin, who says here, Philly played the Giants twice, and the Giants will win one of the games. Hey, hey, you never know. It might happen. They also get Kyler Murray and the Cardinals and Geno Smith and the Seahawks, assuming that Geno can play. You never know. Here's the thing, man. Here's the thing, Justin. I think I will pick the Eagles to win every one of those games. But the Eagles have to play the game, right? And it's not like they are blowing out inferior competition because they are not. So you never know. They might mess around and find out in one of these games. They might. It might be a one-score possession game. And they might drop one of them. Honestly, I, I don't dismiss that possibility at all. Again, I don't think that I will pick against the Eagles here until the end of the season. I think they will be favored and they should be favored in the rest of the games. Because it's not like we can also act like the Eagles absolutely suck. They might not be as good as a football team as the Cowboys, or at least not on Sunday night. But they're still a pretty good football team. I think they will still look good against pretty much everyone not named Dallas Cowboys and San Francisco 49ers just sticking with the NFC for now. 
So yeah, I'm not I'm not betting on the Eagles losing the division. However, it might happen, man. It might happen, and they're they're gonna find out in one of these games if they mess around. We'll see how that looks like. Uh, they've also gone through a very very rough stretch of games, so you never know. They could lose to Seattle. I agree, with, like uh, with what Bruce says. I think that the best shot for the Giants to do it might be with Tyrod Taylor. You know, they did take it to the Buffalo Bills. They did where about to win that game in Buffalo. So you never know. You never know. It could also happen there. But anyways, let's talk about the game. Shout out to everyone who is joining the chat. We've got Toxic. We've got uh, Mark Aaron. We've got PZL Fuego. We've got uh, Gregory, Peter Rizzo, Katharina. We've got House Nelson here. I wasn't trying to big time you, House Nelson. I was trying to make the Wi-Fi work a little bit better. I don't know if that worked or not, but hey. Uh, we are getting by at least here on tonight's show. Let's talk about it, man. Let's talk about it. One of the big things that I really enjoyed about this one was just the opening statement of the game, right? That was a 10-play, 75-yard touchdown drive after the Cowboys lost the coin toss. But you look at the details, you look at the replay, and man, it feels even better because you saw Cavante Turpin get involved in that in that uh, drive. You saw Tony Pollard picking up blitzes. You saw CeeDee Lamb being targeted, I believe, twice in that drive. Cap it off with a touchdown. Then it gets a little bit frustrating because you are putting the brakes to the Eagles' offense, but then you get to third and 16, and then the Cowboys, and I was very frustrated here, allow the conversion on third and 16. Now, at that moment of the game, I was like, damn it. And here's why. The Cowboys were, one, blitzing in that play. And they were, I don't remember actually if there was a fifth guy going after Jalen. Uh, but what I do remember is that there was a stunt. So there was a stunt with the two inside guys on the left side. I mean, not exactly on the left side, but just like, you know, the, the 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 stunt, the boy that they left on the defensive line was on the left side, and they just left that B gap wide open. And it went exactly against what Nick Bosa had said, what we had talked about during the week, that I had told you, hey, maybe, maybe Dan Queen changes it up in this game, and maybe he doesn't blitz as much because it's what's worked against the Philly offense. But Dan Quinn said, screw it, I'm doing it my way. Uh, runs a stunt. I believe there was a pressure in there. And then Jalen Hurts just by some time, steps up to the line of scrimmage through that B gap, and then finds his open man on, on third and uh, 16. And I was frustrated right there. However, man, it ended up working. The Cowboys did decide to blitz Jalen Hurts. They blitzed him at a 35% of his drop back. So that's a pretty high number, especially given our pregame theory so the Cowboys decided to be aggressive against Jalen it definitely paid off one of those last plays especially when they're going for it on four than nine in enemy territory and Stephon Gilmore makes a tackle in man coverage against Devonta Smith they were sending the pressure at Jalen Hurts we saw some zero looks in there some cover zero looks in there as well and the Cowboys did get to Jalen and he did get rid of the football a lot of times but it was all in the short game. There was a couple of big uh, completions downfield, and then everything else was, for the most part, 
from the 10 yard towards the line of scrimmage, right? So nothing farther than 10 yards. In fact, he only had four attempts in the intermediate zone, which would be between 10 yards and 19 yards, which to me is an insanely low number. I wouldn't have expected uh, Jalen to not target that area of the field at all, but it was the fact that the Cowboys were just getting to him and getting to him. And it was basically either they throw it short or they throw it deep. And the Eagles kept throwing it short again and again and again. And that's probably partly what led to a very good defensive day for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, So just wanted to start off with that because to me, it was a game that although I love what the offense did, what blew me away was the defense, especially after a game when you allowed 35 points against Geno Smith and the Seahawks, right? We were, we were very concerned about that defensive unit after that game, and we talked about it here on the show. I think everyone discussed it. You know, we talked about, okay, who is this Cowboys defense unit? And I believe we can all settle down with, hey, they're one of the best pass rushing units in the league. They have some bent but don't break type moments, but they can also take the football away a lot. And they did it this time, three turnovers they forced against the Eagles. And, man, I'm just surprised that the Eagles didn't have anything to offer. It felt like the Cowboys just took everything away from them. And it also had to do with the offensive performance on the other hand, right? You open the game with four consecutive scores. And we've talked about this again and again and again on the show. Suddenly, the Eagles need Jalen Hurts to drop back and pass and win the game by throwing the football and and trailing. And we've talked about this regarding the 49ers as well. The 49ers, if they go up on you, it's done, probably. I think the Cowboys are in that similar style of play where if they go up on you, they can rush you with Micah and company who are amazing at what they do and they can just keep controlling the ball on offense and do their thing. If you go up on the Niners, by two possessions or three possessions, like the Cowboys did on this one, by halftime, it was a 24 to 6 scoreboard. If, if the Cowboys hypothetically would go up 24 to 6 against San Francisco, I think they win that game nine times out of nine times out of 10. The problem is getting to 24 to 6 against the 49ers because they're insanely good and they're likely not gonna allow that. But just saying, man, Jalen Hurts was shot down, the Eagles offense was shot down. Uh, they had some moments. I'm not going to say they didn't, right? Uh, A.J. Brown actually put up 94 receiving yards against uh, Stephon Gilmore for most of the game. Gilmore did have his moments, though, as well. First, a fumble, had some very solid moments in coverage. And Stephon Gilmore said after the game that A.J. Brown had called him old and that he was going to show A.J. Brown that he, you know, could still handle the life in the NFL. And it was honestly a very fun matchup to watch. We don't get a lot of cornerback against wide receivers matchups anymore. And I believe Cowboys Nation might be about to act like A.J. Brown did nothing in that battle. I wouldn't like that because, man, it was a good fight. It was a back and forth fight where both fighters got their jabs in there. So got to appreciate that. I think Safon Gilmore definitely, though, gets the final laugh. Gotta love that. 
Uh, Jay Recruiters, the safeties had their best game of the year. Malik Hooker was on fire. He, hey, I want to see what Malik Hooker looked like in the old 22 tape because he had some moments in that game that just by watching the TV broadcast, he looked like, oh man, he played well. And he actually had the highest defensive grade by Pro Football Focus. So something to watch. I know it's subjective grades and we don't really know about them, but noteworthy at the very least. Uh, looking forward to seeing what his impact was. Uh, it became clear, though, that the Cowboys stuck to their style of defense. So there was a lot of pressure in Malik Cooker with the way that the Eagles like to challenge secondaries with those 50-50 throws and everything. Uh, he showed up big in several spots, honestly. Uh, there was a play, you know, where they are targeting Dayron Bland right from the get-go. This is a first-quarter play and they are pulling off a double move on Dayron Bland because the Eagles likely know they're going to play man coverage, the Cowboys will, and they probably saw the tape, right, from what happened against the Seahawks before the interception and against the Commanders before the pick six. So the, the Eagles likely knew what they were trying to do. They set up the double move against Dayron Bland, but the Marcus Lawrence gets the pressure in, forces a, a poor throw, and also, you get Malik Cooker in coverage just right in time to help out Dayron Bland, who might have gotten bit if it wasn't by Malik Cooker. But the Cowboys were ready for everything, is what I'm trying to say. And yeah, I agree that the safeties had actually had a fantastic game. Uh, they caught some breaks. You know, there was the A.J. Brown drop, which was awful. Let's be fair. Maybe some solid coverage there from Jaron Kears. I think we could call it solid. I wouldn't say perfect or anything like that. But he was right there, and A.J. Brown drops it. Oh, man. Bad moment by Philly. And just again and again and again, I don't want to say that, you know, the Eagles were shooting themselves on the foot because it was more like the Cowboys were forcing them to shoot themselves on the foot, especially with those uh, three fumbles that we've talked about. House Nelson, though, says, hey, that tush-push still leaves you feeling helpless to stop it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And the fact that the Eagles went... What did they go? They were four for nine on third down. That's a sign that the Cowboys were actually getting into favorable third down situations. Uh, there was a third and two. Oh, actually, it was that one. Uh, you know, the play that I just talked about with the Eagles going after Dayron Blant on the double move with the Cowboys playing man coverage, that was a head scratcher for me, right? Third and two, you're the Eagles. Aren't they supposed to run the ball to then set up the tush push? That's what I was expecting, but they didn't do that. And, you know, if I were an Eagles fan, which I'm not, whew, <laughs> but uh, if I were an Eagles fan, I would have maybe been pissed at that. I wouldn't have wanted, I mean, I would have understand that the Eagles might have wanted to burn. They were on bland for the big play on third and two, but it definitely felt like, hey, they're up to something. And then, you know, they run the fake punt after that because it's that same drive, actually, now that I think about it. And maybe it all makes sense now, right? So they were thinking of going for it if they didn't get that shot at a, at a Dayron Bland. But then you think about it a little bit more and are like, man, if I were an Eagles fan, I would have wanted them to run the tush push twice or maybe just run a regular play once and then 
if I'm already thinking of going for it, you know, the decision has been made. It might not be a fake fund. It might not be a surprise, but you have made the decision that you're going for it. I would much rather go for it on a tush push. Because, you know, two yards, one yard, sure. But hey, every time that they do the tush push, it feels like they win three yards. It's insane. Just giving them some credit. But hey, that, that's crazy. That's crazy. Oh, hell no, Toxic. Hell no. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. I'm excited about the Buffalo game. But hell no. We're talking about that game today. We're talking about the Cowboys-Eagles game tonight. Yes, sir. Yeah. Don't, yeah. We're not Bill Belichick. We're not playing the game. We're enjoying the win. Toxic. Come on. Come on. This is Philly we're talking about. We're going to enjoy the game. All kidding aside, though, all kidding aside, I am excited about the Buffalo Bills game. And we'll talk about it for sure. Very soon. Very soon we'll talk about it. Not tonight, Toxic. We're not going to do the whole on to Buffalo thing. No, sir. We're going to enjoy the 33-13 to 13 win in the AT&T Stadium against the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to enjoy that. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, uh, on the offensive side of things, my biggest takeaway, my biggest takeaway, we're on the Cincinnati. This is toxic. What was that? 2013, 2014? That's insane. Uh, anyways, <laughs> Mitesh says, Mo probably won some money. Hey, you know what? They covered. The Cowboys did cover, and I was this close to giving the over. We wouldn't have cashed on that one. Uh, so I'm glad we took the Cowboys minus three and a half and just enjoyed the game that way. Now, offensively speaking, biggest takeaway of the game, man, not about Dak Prescott, although I loved his game. Partly about Jake Ferguson, but it just felt so different pressure-wise for Dallas on this one. And I don't know, like, I'm going to actually pull up the exact numbers, at least according to PFF, because surprisingly, I think, they were more or less similar. Yeah. So, okay. In week nine, PFF. Oh, no. I'm chill. I'm looking at the Eagles numbers here. All right. Here we go. Here we go. There's still some uh, not that similar. Okay. Sorry. Week nine, the Eagles had 25 pressures on Dak Prescott and seven sacks according to PFF, and sometimes they count the sacks differently, so bear with me. Week 14, it was just 15 pressures. That is 10 fewer pressures and three sacks, four fewer sacks. And just look at Terrence Steele. It all started there. Terrence Steele allowed 12 pressures and four sacks in week nine. That was down to four pressures and one sack on today. So, excuse me, yesterday. So what I'm trying to say here is the following, man. The Cowboys' plan to help out Terrence Steele absolutely worked. And that is one of the biggest things about last night's game. It wasn't perfect protection when the Cowboys were tr throwing the football. It wasn't perfect at all. However, man, I'm excited about the Cowboys being able to solve that problem. I was a little bit concerned about us knowing about the Terrence Steele situation and then it popping back again, popping back up again in this revenge game. But the Cowboys were helping Terrence Steele out, you know, with Tony Pollard. They were helping him a lot with Jake Ferguson in that play where they are, what was it? Ah, what, what was this play? 
the weird play where they called it, it wasn't even that they called two penalties, but the referee just explained it terribly. He should have explained that the pass interference was basically declined and then it was a regular catch. And then on top of the catch, they added the face mask. Weird officiating in this game, by the way. Very weird. Not unfair towards one side or the other. Just amateur hour throwing three flags and then picking them up. Insane stuff. But anyways, in that moment, Jake Ferguson just destroys Josh Sweat. He is flexed not that far away from the line of scrimmage, but he's on a two-point stance instead of a three-point stance and just buries Josh Sweat just like he did Boye Mafe the week before. And then the play where Dak Prescott throws the bomb to Brandon Cooks, the 30-yard post that sets up the Cowboys to score later on, that is a play where Hassan Reddick is basically ready to rush the passer on the edge. Jake Ferguson is in the exact same spot and his son Reddick drops back to pass, <laughs> to, to pass coverage. Because he did not want anything with Jake Ferguson in there, right? He didn't want to get leveled like his teammate the play before, two plays before, I don't remember exactly. But Jake Ferguson had that impact in pass pro two, which allowed for one of the biggest plays in the game, which was that Brandon Cook's 30-yard pass. Because suddenly Hassan Reddick was out there in coverage against Jake Ferguson. And that wasn't what the Eagles wanted. I can guarantee you that. Ideally, they would have had Hassan Reddick going after Dak Prescott in the uh, in that situation specifically. Now, all that being said, ladies and gentlemen, Jake Ferguson is an absolute beast. And I love how Cowboys Nation is embracing him. We talked about it last week. We could talk about it all over again because, man, he had he actually led the team in, in receiving yards. Five catches, 72 yards. He's a matchup problem. He can impact pass pro. He's a very decent run blocker. He's violent out there on the football field. And we are at a point where there is no doubt in anyone's mind minds that uh, he's an upgrade over Dalton Schultz. And we've talked about him looking like he was going to be an upgrade, but it is now week 14 and there is no question at all about Jake Ferguson's status right now. And honestly, I don't know about the PFF grades. I don't know about the stats right now, but other than the big time guys, I'm not sure which tight end has been playing better in the NFL like other of the like the obvious ones, I'm guessing you could put put a top five, top ten ranking, and Jake Ferguson was gonna be in there. Honestly, at this point, that's the kind of impact that Jake Ferguson has had. Just going by yards per route run, man. If we basically filter for the the guys that have not played much yards per route run, Jake Ferguson is 13th in the NFL. Let me see if we do like yards after the catch after reception. He's seventh in the NFL. He's just, man, he's just nailing it right now. But, ooh, look at this. Number four in pass blocking grade. And you might, hey, hey, that's a great, Mo. We cannot do grades because they suck. Maybe that's right. But, hey, here's the numbers. But we can always look at the numbers too. And, I mean, we're, we're talking about the plays. We're talking about... Uh, him destroying somebody and stuff. Man, uh, this my Wi-Fi might suck, though. 
not gonna lie. All right, so yeah, never mind. <laughs> All right, here we go. 18 opportunities to pass protect. You let me know how many pressures Jake Ferguson has allowed. Shoot your guesses in the chat. Jake Ferguson has been involved in 18 pass protection opportunities per PFF. You let me know how many pressures you think he's allowed in those 18 opportunities. You let me know. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait here a little bit, man. Ladies and gentlemen, zero. Zero pressures, man. Zero pressures. And it's not only those plays where he's flexed out and then he just buries the man. It's like the Carolina Panthers game where they find CeeDee Lamp in man-to-man coverage. Bro, Jake Ferguson is just anchoring, arms fully stretched in pass pro with the hands in the right place and blocking a defensive lineman. I tweeted out that picture at some point uh, after that game. And then you see Pollard also get involved. And it's just a whole thing with the Cowboys offense, man. Uh, everyone's getting involved. You love to see it. Uh, Dak Prescott challenged the Cowboys defenders time and time again. I think Next Gen Stats had a tweet about how he challenged, you know, players. He threw into tight windows at one of the highest rates of the season. And he actually had like the most yards of the season in those tight window throws. So just crazy stuff from Dak Prescott as well. Continues to build his MVP case. You see everyone involved again. Uh, more of a flexible offense right now. 72 yards for Ferguson. 71 for CD. Michael Gallup, 48. Most of which came on that deep bomb at the end of the game. 39-yarder was that. Uh, saw Tony Pollard get 37 yards in the air. That was fun to see for sure. Because it wasn't like a big shunk play where he got all of those yards. His longest reception was actually for eight yards. But the Cowboys finding ways to get Pollard involved, but also getting Dowdle involved, man. And that running back room is starting to look like we envisioned it, like we wanted it to look, right? So that is super fun to see as well. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Brandon Aubrey, insane. I know I've already mentioned him, but I'm just looking at the stats here, and I reminded myself of it. That could have been good from 70 yards, man. When he kicked the 60-yarder, it was easy. It was easy. Dak Prescott said after the game that he nicknamed uh, Brandon Aubrey Butter back in training camp. But, man, watching it in December, in December football, it's different for sure. Right now, Dak Prescott is the favorite to win the MVP of the 2023 season, and I think he has a fantastic case for it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, great game for Marquise Bell. Great game for uh, Damon Clark in a very interesting week because I'm seeing a comment here that said, oh, man, I lost it. Something about Jack Leonard. Toxic says, I can't believe people actually wanted Leonard. His 2023 tape has a lot to be desired. And Bell and Clark had himself a fantastic game exactly in this week. They were fired up for this one, and they showed why. I actually thought we saw uh, Leonard much less than I thought we would. I don't know what the exact snap count was, but I can look it up right now. Jack Leonard actually played in just uh, 14 plays, 17% snap count defensively speaking, for Jack Leonard. 
uh, there was one play where Bell and Clark just rallied to the pass catcher and just big hit, man, big collision, knocked that football out of there, and just fantastic stuff, man, fantastic stuff for the linebackers. I know they've been inconsistent, but I think that in coverage, it might be honestly, I don't want to say one of the best duos because that would be an overstatement, but I don't think it's a very good duo of linebackers in pass coverage. Uh, I still have my doubts about when we get into that situation where they're going to be a little bit more physically tested than athletically tested, but it right now works. So I'm good with it for sure. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, uh, tomorrow I will be an uncle. And I know that is like a very random turning point for this conversation, but I will say, uh, for something related to that reason, I need to do my brother a solid. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to get out of here right now. I know that we didn't get to do overreaction Monday, but uh, we'll make it up. Uh, I don't know if tomorrow night or not, but uh, we'll find a way. We'll find a way to make it up with better content throughout the week. Ladies and gentlemen, you guys know it. We are here live every Sunday through Thursday night. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to listen to ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I will see you again tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central. There's a lot to unpack out of that game. We're also going to look a little bit ahead to the Buffalo Bills game. Hope that you guys enjoy the rest of your Monday night. And I will see you tomorrow, 8 p.m. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thank you for the comments. I appreciate it. I didn't do anything for it, but I appreciate your congratulations. <laughs> Just kidding, man. I'm excited. And uh, it's going to be fun for sure. Thank you so much and see you. Bye-bye.